Hey guys, welcome to This Week in Football, a podcast slash YouTube channel that brings you the most captivating news in football. I'm Diego. And I'm Arna. Every week, we will take a look at standings, talk about results from previous weeks, discuss some must-see matches, and also talk about newest transfers and other interesting news in football. Yeah, and this week, one of the topics that interests me most is the fact that many European governments like the UK, Italy, and Spain aren't allowing their players to play for their national teams in the qualifiers. So it's going to be very interesting. And I wanted to know what you think about that. Yeah, obviously, it's a very interesting situation. A lot of, like, the best players in Europe will not get to play for their national teams. I mean, we can already talk about how Allison and uh, Firmino, who are on the same team, they're not going to be allowed to play. And then you have, like, teams like Egypt and Senegal, which have literally one, like, amazing player, and in that it's Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, and now they won't get their players. And those players are needed to for their World Cup run, and to not have them would be really unfair. It would damage their chances. Definitely. Yeah. And um, also France has also been thinking about joining on that uh, travel ban. So that's also for Argentina, in Argentina's case, that's going to take out Messi, Paredes, and Di Maria. So that's going to be catastrophic for them. And the results of these games are going to be affected immensely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of <laughs> every country's best players, almost all of them, they play for like the top European clubs. And if those players aren't allowed to play, I mean we're not going to get an accurate reading of which country is the best, right? And obviously the results are usually very close in terms of getting into the World Cup. So missing like this one international break could like make or break a World Cup bid for a team. Um, I think like the best solution right now is to have like these governments just grant exemptions to the players so that they can play. Other, Other than that, I mean, I don't know what they can do about it. Yeah, another way I see it is that if they do go through with this, a lot of the smaller countries, like in South America, for example, like Bolivia and Venezuela, they'll be able to come out on top and sort of prove themselves to try and get ahead in the qualifiers before the other players are allowed to come back. Yeah, I mean, the thing, a match I can think of is Brazil versus Argentina. I mean, yeah. if the best players aren't there, that's going to be huge. Neymar versus Messi, who are now on the same team, obviously. That, I mean, if we don't get that, I mean... That's what defines right now, like, South America, to be honest, Messi versus Neymar. And Um, also, a big effect on these is um, television. A lot of people aren't going to want to watch these games because they're just going to be mainly consisted of of domestic players. So there's no no Messi, there's no Neymar. A lot of people are like, what's the point in watching this? Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact that, I mean, if, like, this, if the team was made out of, like, if a Brazil team and Argentina uh, team were made out of, like, Argentinian league players and Brazilian like league players. I mean, I'm not going to know almost any of their names. Yeah. Only people that follow those leagues will, will know who the players are, which lowers the viewership by a lot. What we wanted to discuss from the latest news standpoint on, you know, what's going on with this situation right now, what we're planning on doing over these next two weeks are introducing the top five major European leagues. We're going to create previews of them and talk about transfers, the transfers they've made to improve them, and also release our predictions for it. We'll be also doing the same for the UEFA Champions League and possibly the Europa League too. So today we're going to begin with our Premier League preview in which we have 12 teams that we included. We each created a top 10 of predictions. And 
Diego and I, we had two, we have two differences and he has two teams that I don't have and I have two teams that he doesn't have. So obviously it's interesting. It's good to have some disagreement, right? But we've created for all 12 of those teams, we're going to have, we're going to introduce their transfers, what they've done, and then we will talk about our predictions for them. So the first team we're going to talk about is Manchester United. Obviously last year, they had a bit of a, I mean, I guess if you look at it, some people will look at it as they finished in second place. Other people will look at it as they could have finished in first place. Um, obviously, they had a bit of a, they struggled a bit near the end. Uh, but I think they're still going to be a really solid team this year. I mean, they've just added Jaden Sancho and Rafael Veron. While even though Paul Pogba was rumored to depart, he's not departing. Man City, on the other hand, has got some changes. They've lost Aguero and Eric Garcia. Eric Garcia, who really didn't play much. I mean, he clearly wanted to get out of there. He's not going to be affecting them that much. But Aguero, obviously, he was a great striker for uh, for Man City. Obviously, now we see that Man City is looking at bringing in Ronaldo. Before that, it was Harry Kane. But so far, they've brought in a really great signing. They brought in Jack Grayley. Then we have, now we have the underdogs, Leicester City who uh, since their surprising run have really uh, assembled a very nice team. This year they've added players like Patsandaka from, I believe, RB, one of the Red Bull teams, and uh, Yannick Vestergaard and Bubakari Sumare. Those are all like their most significant additions and they really haven't lost anyone important. On the other hand, Liverpool has lost Wijnaldum, but they've got Ibrahim Makunate. So I'd say overall, it's not much of a... They haven't had the most active uh, transfer markets. One team, though, that we see needed drastic changes after letting go of like their best player in a while is Aston Villa, who lost Jack Grealish, but they've gotten Emi Buendia, Leon Bailey, Ashley Young, and Danny Ings. So obviously, using all that Grealish money, they've obviously assembled a very good team. Now the team that just keeps on spending, just like Man City and Man U, but uh, we've got Chelsea, who add Romelu Lukaku. They also lose, though, Fikayo Tomori. They lost Oliver Giroud. They lost Emerson, and they lost Tammy Abraham, who is a very, um, he's a very promising striker. He's gone to Roma now, uh, but he he came through the youth academy and he was very promising but obviously when you grab Lukaku there that pretty much solidified Abraham's status at the club then obviously we've got uh we've got uh still like few big clubs in play before we have a few less lesser clubs at least they're thought of as lesser and that's uh Leeds who really they just had Junior Fairpool and Jack Harrison they brought bring in and Watford, who brought in Joshua King. And we also have Everton, who's who grew. Uh, last season, they definitely had a better finish than normal. Now they have uh, Moise Keane, back from loan from PSG. They lost Waka, Bernard, and Joshua King, but um, I think it could be a lot worse for them. And then we also have Wolves, who lost their goalkeeper, Patricio. They brought in Jose Sa, so I'd say it's not really that big of a deal for them. And obviously, they had that great loan deal with Barcelona for Francisco Trincao. Finally, we got uh, the two big 
Super League clubs, you know, obviously something that we as football fans did not like at all. Right, Diego? Yeah, it was a disaster that they even attempted it. Yeah, obviously. I mean, uh, we, we, like, it was a big discussion point. Um, a lot of people hated it. We were among those people who hated it. And these two Super League clubs continue to prove that they have money. And Tottenham added Golini from Atalanta, the goalkeeper. And obviously, he's not going to be starting with Hugo Lloris, but he's definitely good for the future. And the big signing that they have is Christian Romero, who is an amazing center back. Uh, we saw from we saw from the Copa America how talented he was, right, Diego? Yeah. Um, me being an Argentina fan, uh, he's also fun fact. He's from a club very very close to me, so I'm especially a big fan of him. But no, he definitely he's really good at at playing calmly, not not panicking when he has the ball and when he's being pressured. Yeah. And finally, we have Arsenal, who have had a pretty decent uh, transfer window, I'd say. They lost Yanduzi, they lost David Luiz, who I think any Arsenal fan is just not going to care about. I mean, he was just a clown at the end of it. And they lost Dani Ceballos, who was very solid for them. But they did bring in uh, Albert Laconga, Nuno Tevez. They brought in Aaron Ramsdale as their backup keeper, and they brought in Ben White and Martin Odegaard. And that's that for our prediction, or not prediction, sorry, our transfers from the Premier League, our preview. And now uh, Diego will go and tell us his top 10. So my top 10 for the Premier League is number one, Man City. Number two, Man U. Third, Chelsea. Fourth, Tottenham. Fifth, Liverpool. Sixth, Leicester. Seventh, Arsenal. Eighth, Leeds. Ninth, Watford. And tenth, Aston Villa. So... Um, I don't think Aston Villa is going to shine that much this season because in the first games they didn't play that convincing. Like they were, they were solid. They were a solid team, but they weren't that convincing for me. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go a different approach. I'm going to start with my tenth place team, then go ninth. I obviously have a very different feeling on Aston Villa from Diego based on like their transfers they made. But anyway, I'll go and read out my top ten. Explain a little. So until 10th, I have Wolves. I think they're going to bounce back a lot. Ninth, I have Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal's Arsenal. They lost 2-0 to Brentford. I mean, come on. You can't lose to a relegated squad like that. You can't get uh, – I mean, obviously, they didn't have Aubameyang or Lacazette. So it's understandable in that way a little bit. But, I mean, this was a team that still could have done a lot better than what they did. In eighth, I have Everton, who I think now with Moise Keane again, who knows? I mean – they're kind of wild card. Uh, there's a reason why Keane was loaned, but at the same time, he was very impactful with PSG. And sometimes Tottenham, I don't know what, I just don't see them, you know, despite them bringing in a new manager, Christian Romero, all that, and keeping Harry Kane now, I just don't know. I just don't have, I just don't have a good feeling about them. Yeah, about Tottenham. Um, uh, about like a year ago when they let go of Poch, um, Really don't understand why they did that because he took them to the Champions League final. And then when they had Mourinho, they didn't even get close to um, succeeding at anything. Yeah, Mourinho's definitely, uh, he's definitely not had a good run lately. Let's hope he can turn things around for Roma, which is my favorite Serie A club. Um, but I mean, he's definitely been regarded as a, he's been a hated figure for the last few clubs. That yeah. he's joined that he's been with 
So then here, my top five. Uh, in fifth, we have Leicester City. Fourth, I have Chelsea. I just don't see them doing better than Man City, Liverpool, uh, and the other Manchester team that I have in my top three. Uh, despite, I mean, they have all these signings, but sometimes, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they turned, they did, they didn't do as well in the Premier League as they probably should have, but they obviously did very well in, uh, in the Champions League. That much is evident. In third, I have Manchester City. I just don't see them going ahead of Man U and Liverpool for the league title this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's early in the season. The, their loss to Tottenham was kind of strange. But I, I, it's just, I mean, there's only so far you can go with all these expensive signings that they, that they make. You know, obviously, Cristiano would be a huge impact to them. But as they haven't gotten Cristiano yet, we don't know. In second, I have Liverpool, who I think is due for a big turnaround. They, had, they lost Van Dijk and Gomez for almost all the season. And that, I think, was really what led them to doing so poorly. And they still nearly, uh, obviously, they slipped near the end, had to fight for their spot in the Champions League. But I, I really think that they're going to have a huge turnaround this year, just getting back their two starting center backs who are very talented. I just see them going in second. And at first, I have Manchester United, who uh, they might not be as good on paper as Manchester City, but I think they play very well together, uh, as evident by their 5-1 win over Leeds. And I think they're just going to, uh, especially with the Sancho signing, they they uh, signed Varane to help out with their defense, which was a problem last year, uh, as Harry Maguire had Victor Lindelof as a partner who's just not that capable compared to a very talented center back in Rafael Varane. So anyway, that's my top 10. And next we're going to be having a discussion on La Liga's preview. So I'm going to be going over La Liga's transfers for this summer. Um, first, we're going to talk about Atletico. After a great performance in the Copa America, to be honest, they brought in Rodrigo de Paul, and that was really only their major signing this summer. Um, some of their departures were Lucas Torreira and Musa Dembele, who really didn't shine last year when they brought him in. Um, for Barcelona, of course, they lost Messi, which is a club legend that's never going to be forgotten. And they also signed Depay, who's uh, projected to play very well at the club. Aguero, who's currently injured. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, Eddie Garcia, who is going to play alongside Araujo. So that's probably going to be a very strong back two. And... Emerson Royale, who was was brought in from Betis. Then we're going to yeah, talk he about... Will be yeah. fighting, so, uh, he will be fighting Dest for the right-back starting job. Uh, both are obviously very careful right-backs. They're young ta- and young and talented. And I think it will be interesting to see who wins out. Yeah, I think it's going to be Dest. So. That's... I actually think in the end it's going to be Emerson. He put together oh. a very good performance for, for Brazil in the Copa America. But obviously, um, we don't know yet. I mean, they're both young. Who knows? They might just get some sort of split and not have, like, a full, like, you know, it might not just be a fully yeah. determined starting job, at least not in the first season. But, uh, yeah, as of now, both are very promising. Yeah, but one thing that's sure is they're both going to have bright futures. Um, okay. Then we're going to talk about Real. 
They've brought in Alaba from Bayern Munich. They've brought in Jovic, Bale from from Tottenham, from loan. And they've also brought in Ceballos, who's actually an interesting prospect. Then they've let go of Ramos, who is also a club legend, much like Messi. And they've let go of Varane, who's been another... They, they've let go of, of a lot of defenders this season. Um, and they've also let go of Odegaard, who's pretty good, in my opinion. Um, yeah, obviously a very uh, talented prospect. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about Sevilla. They've brought in Rafa Mir and Gonzalo Montiel, who, again, uh, performed very well in the Copa America. And they've also brought in La Mela, which is interesting because I haven't seen him play that well in Tottenham. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see. Um, then they've let go of Brian Gill. Who went in, I believe, a swap deal. Uh, I think Tottenham paid money for Gill, and they also tossed in La Mela with him. Yeah. Uh, then Villarreal, they've added Juan Foyth, which he hasn't really played in Tottenham or played that well in the Argentina national team. So that one kind of confuses me. They, I think it was the loan with option to buy. Yeah, I can tell um, you Diego is uh, not happy at all with Foyth. No. Uh, you know, uh, he's very enthusiastic, let's say, about Argentina. And uh, seeing Foyth play was just not one of his favorite things to do. Yeah, he conceded three goals that he shouldn't have. Um, they've also brought in Arnaud Donjuma and Bulaidia, and they haven't really let go of anyone, so it's just to strengthen the team this summer. Then Real Sociedad, they've brought in William Jose, who's a pretty good player in my opinion, and they haven't let go of anyone either. Similar to Sevilla, I mean Villarreal, sorry. And then Real Betis, they brought in Rui Silva and Germán Pesela from, I think, Fiorentina. And they've let go of Emerson Royal, of course, to Barcelona. Uh, then Getafe, they've brought in Carles Aleña from Barcelona, um, José Macías and Jacob Janto. And they've let go of Kubo, who is has been in the last two years one of Europe's top talents or young talents. Yeah, I think he's one of the most intriguing Asian talents in a while. Uh, he's definitely a Japanese favorite. Yeah, and uh, I think he's he did pretty decent at the Olympics too. And then Celta Vigo and Valencia, who really haven't been that active this summer. So for my top ten for the twenty one twenty two La Liga season. I have first place Atletico Madrid. They've seemed really promising with uh, last season because they won. And this season they brought in, of course, De Paul, which reinforces the team. And second place, I think it's Barcelona because despite uh, letting go of Messi, they still have a very, very good team um, with the center backs, the midfield, and uh, being the young. And the attack with Depay, Griezmann, and Braithwaite. So third place, I have Real Madrid. Um, to be honest, they've always been really strong in La Liga. It's in, mo- in most years, it's been the same thing. Like, it's always been the same top three. And then fourth, Sevilla, because lately they've brought in a lot of, of good players and they've integrated them into the team well. Then we have Villarreal. 
because they've seemed pretty strong last season despite signing Juan Foyth. Um, yeah. Then we have Real Sociedad. They've act- they actually looked really promising last season. I think they finished sixth. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. yeah. They finished fifth. Fifth. Okay. Yeah. And then we have Betis. They've always been a strong team. Um, the two Seville teams, Sevilla and Betis. And then we have Getafe, who have been very big with, with young players lately. They've signed a lot of good young talents. And I think that they'll utilize them well. And then we have Celta Vigo, ninth, and Valencia, 10th. Don't have much to say about them. Yeah, I think with Hitafe, uh, Celta Vigo, even Betis, Valencia, uh, Athletic Bilbao, I, there's just not much to say about them. Um, they're just like a little more unknown, but uh, that doesn't mean they're bad or anything. It's just we typically don't hear much about them. Yeah. So my for my uh, top 10, I'm going to start with 10th, which I have as Valencia. Ninth, I have Athletic Bilbao. In eighth, I have Hitafe. In seventh, I have Real Batiste. Um, I, I, I really just don't know how they're going to play. I mean, Eberson Ruel, he's a big player, uh, especially to a team like Batiste. I think he would be very important to them. Um, him leaving, it really does change things for them a lot. But I, I still think they can finish in uh, sixth. Or sorry, no, uh, not sixth, sorry, seventh. After that, I have Villarreal, who obviously they haven't really lost anyone. They've added Bulaidia, who is a big prospect coming in. Not Maybe not big, but um, obviously they're expanding on their Europa League winning team that also nearly won the Super Cup against Chelsea, which ironically Chelsea won because of Kepa, a player who has been a huge joke in the goalkeeping world. Uh, but obviously... Anyway, that's about Chelsea. Uh, my top four, in fifth, I have Real Sociedad, who they had that surprising uh, signing of David Silva. They have a ton of young prospects. They have uh, they have a very good player in Isak. They've got, uh, they've got uh, obviously, they've got Mikel Oriazabal, who's also been a huge star for the Spain national team. So I think Real Sociedad is going to finish in fifth again, just like last year. In fourth, I have Sevilla. Um, they're just, they've just been lately, for the past few years, they've been really good. And they, got, they won the Europa League in the year before last year. And uh, they've just continued to expand and adding players. Uh, so I think they're just going to stay pretty solid like always and have another year of Champions League but in third I have Real Madrid uh they just I mean things change a lot if they manage to grab Mbappe but I mean besides that right now I just don't see them finishing ahead of Barcelona and Madrid which I have as my top two um but obviously we never know I mean Alba is a very qualified replacement for Varane but they did lose Ramos and Veron, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see Alba and Eder Militao together. In second, I have Atletico Madrid, Rodrigo de Paul, who obviously he played great at Copa America. He's been doing really well with Udinese as well before coming here. 
and they haven't really lost anyone. I think Atletico is also grabbing Matheus Cunha from from Hertha Berlin, I believe. Uh, he's very he was pretty decent in Bundesliga. I think when people he people he really drew attraction after the Olympics, in which he was probably the star. I mean, so was Richard Lasson, but like when you have a player like Richard Lasson playing against a bunch of you know U twenty team or sorry U twenty three teams, I mean, it's not going to be fair. And in first place, I have FC Barcelona. Obviously, Messi. I mean, club late. He's the he's just he is one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Obviously, his departure is crushing, but at the same time, I think that it's not. The worst thing based on the transfer market they had, they've solidified uh, center back, they brought in Garcia, who will probably partner with, I'd say, PK or something like that. Obviously, we could see Clemono, they also get playing time there. So, might be a little bit of rotation. We don't know right now. We'll see what Ronald Coman comes up with. But Garcia, I think they've definitely improved the center back position. They've also brought in Aguero and Depay, who I think those two, they're just. I think especially Depay, I love that player. I think he's going to really do well with Barcelona. I think he's going to succeed a lot. And to be honest, I think Depay, uh, I think he'd do better. Him and, you know, obviously now they're also keeping Coutinho. They offered him the 10 shirt. I think players like him and Coutinho, maybe even Dembele, they could improve actually without Messi. Maybe having like, I mean, obviously now they're going to have to carry on a shadow, so that could also put up pressure. But at the same time, they could be free now to do even better things. Obviously, my predictions could, could be completely wrong. Barcelona could finish fifth for, I don't know. They had a really good showing, though, against Real Sociedad. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that um, they have had trouble, like a lot of trouble with financial fair play. So I haven't gotten any updates, but I think they still haven't been able to register Depay, Kuhn, and Garcia. I think they have been able they to have? now because okay. uh, I think Sergio Roberto took some peak cuts and, uh, and so did Jordi Alba. I think they're definitely not happy about it, and nor should they be. I mean, their responsibility demonstrated by Barcelona when it comes to handling the money is just, I mean, it's annoying. And we saw the same thing with the Inter Milan a little bit. But obviously, the worst situation, I think, right now, the worst financial situation belongs to FC Barcelona. Yeah. Obviously, um, FC Barcelona, they've been a mess. And Griezmann not taking a pay cut, Scott, it's really annoying. He's just – he's not proven himself. He doesn't deserve the wage he's, he, he's been getting. Of course, it's unfair that he's being asked to now – take a wage cut just because of the irresponsibility. I think it's unfair to all of the players. But then you see players like Sergio Roberto, uh, Pique, and uh, Jordi Alba, who have shown so much like dedication to the club that they're willing to take pay cuts. And they took taken a lot more of them. They've taken a lot of pay cuts, especially Alba and uh, Roberto. And yeah, Pique too, to be honest. And I think it's really unfair for that. It's really annoying to see Griezmann not take pay cuts. But... That's what I mean. That's the kind of problems you have when you spend money, you toss around, you make these huge signings, and then they don't, they don't play well for you. Bartomeu. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, so those are our two uh, previews for this week. Next week we will have for you, we'll have the Serie A preview and the Bundesliga preview. Who are obviously they've already started the leagues. They have a lot of intriguing teams in both ones. 
and we'll be bringing that to you next week. I would like to announce that we will be creating a website where we will show our Photoshop of the week, which is I will create each week, we'll create a Photoshop. Our plan for this week will be to create one of Kylian Mbappe at Real Madrid. And uh, I think it will be really funny to see Mbappe at Real. Though it's definitely realistic, to be honest. I mean, I don't know how much money Real is willing to offer, but the way they've been the way they've been bidding on him, I think there's a very real, no, I'm kidding, uh, excuse that. Uh, there's a very <laughs> real chance of them grabbing Mbappe. Yeah, and he, he Mbappe hasn't seemed very, very content with PSG ever since mm-hmm. Messi's arrival. Yeah, and actually even before that, PSG, yeah, I mean, it's obviously frustrating with the super team that you have to lose in the semifinals, though to be fair, they lost to another super team in Man City yeah. this year, but I mean, still, it's really just, it's got to be annoying, especially finishing in second place. Leo, who, to their credit, they assembled a very good squad. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, that it's just unacceptable to finish second to any team, especially with the amount of money they've dedicated. I mean, the amount of financial fair play rules they're probably breaking. I mean, yeah, that's... Just, you, can't, you can't finish second in, the wor- in, like, the worst out of the top five leagues. Finally, we've got for you... Some notable matches for the international break. Obviously, uh, the two we've picked today, one is uh, European battle from the World Cup qualifiers, and the other is from South America. The South America one will be very effective, maybe. It depends. We'll see if the governments can grant can grant an exemption or something like that. That would obviously be very, very good, and that would be really useful for these players and for the team and for the national teams. But if not, you're going to be seeing a huge change. Like, I mean, we can already see Alessandro Ederson wouldn't be in wouldn't be in net for Brazil. You wouldn't see Messi most likely. You wouldn't yeah. see Messi playing with you the see Neymar playing with the UK, Italy, and Spain bans. Um, it's said that 22 of the proposed Brazil players aren't going to be able to play. And 21 of the Argentina proposed players aren't going to be eligible. Yeah. And so our notable matches we brought to you is Brazil versus Argentina, uh, replay of the Copa America, obviously in a less important setting, but still very important. Um, and the other one we got is Switzerland versus Italy. Uh, it's not the best one, obviously, because they're playing a lot of teams that will m- almost definitely not make the World Cup. But... Um, I think it's still a very interesting matchup. Switzerland's got they've they made a pretty good run, uh, obviously in the Euros, and Italy winning the Euros. I mean, they did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal yeah. job. Uh, they lost their left back Spinazzola, who I obviously like since I like Roma. Um, I think he's finally getting the credit he deserves, um, and I was really glad to see him do well. Uh, it was heartbreaking to see him get injured in the way that he did, but I think we all know he's going to come back strong again. But I think Italy, obviously, they're going to be, they're a very talented squad. If they don't make the World Cup, that's just, I don't know. That's just really, it's, yeah, there's going to be a huge uproar from the Italian ultras and everyone. Uh, yeah, but remember that also disappointing. back in 2018, they were also extremely talented. So you never yeah. know. I mean, obviously, they weren't coming off a year win like this. Yeah, that's but that's a good point. But it's still, you know, if they if they if they lose, it's going to be a huge 
especially for a country like Italy that cares so much about their yeah. soccer Huge teams. I mean, disappointment. It will be, yeah. All right, and that is the end of this week's episode. Uh, season one, episode one, I guess we'll call it, of this week in football. Uh, there are definitely going to be things that we'll obviously try to fix in the next time. And then our next episode, which will be coming out next week. But uh, please let us know what we could do better. We'd really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week.